Definitely help. We're recording now. Don't give away the secrets. We were just talking about um, what I'm going to do with my snatch deadlifts. Uh, so I just got a notion. Uh, sometimes in training, it's really okay. Sometimes. Sometimes. Just to do something you think might make you better, even though you <laughs> can't really give a good reason. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's no harm just sometimes to roll the dice and but be like, look, let's spend six to eight weeks trying to get my snatch deadlift better, even though snatch deadlift usually doesn't correlate exactly with your snatch. I think in my case, and I have a good feeling it might. Okay. But again, see, it's one of those things where I, I, um, I can't give you a good reason. You know, so like if I was obviously if I was missing cleans. Yeah. Mm. See, I think the big the big thing is like you're not you're not um you're not training really hard now, like John. Mm-hmm. You're in a bit of an off season, you're taking a bit of time off well not time off because you're training like six times a week. More. Nine times a week? Seven to nine times a week. So like it's not like but you're not like pushing weights super hard, Joe. Yeah, like I'm barely back sweating over 200 kilos. Yeah. Or like um, most days I'm just back sweating 117. Kind of pushing the front, not pushing the front squat, but I'm just keeping the uh, intensity fairly high and the volume reasonably high. Yeah, you're touching heavy weights a few times a week in your front squat. Because I feel like I could front squat 250 north of 250. By like October, November? Maybe a bit later. Yeah. Depends if um, the whole Japan happens because if we, uh, if we, can you hear me all right? Yeah, your lead is hitting off your headphone lead. Don't sound that, yeah. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now, yeah. So if we go to Japan... Yeah. You best believe... You're going to be in good shape. Yeah, when squats, like... Yeah. Like, do you know... 100%. If you're going knocking around with those boys, you can't be going over with a... If I'm squatting with Clarence and uh, Toshiki and Ishiro... Yeah. Do you know, I'm not going over with anything less than 290 for reps. Like, no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean, kid? Do you know what I mean? Like, so currently working this has turned into off totally off topic we'll get to the topic in a second you'll know from the title but yeah we've rambled now so keep going I've uh, got realistically the people who are listening to this to plan out their first competition don't need to hear you about going for 290 for reps I'm going to tell them anyway (laughs) so um, I got a nutritionist there recently uh, Damon I don't know if it's Damon or Damon surely Damon Damon McCoon that sounds right Damon McCoon very nice man so American he co-authored the vertical diet 3.0 so the third version so i assume he's a phd in uh, physiology and registered dietitian and all that good stuff and i contacted stan and i asked him do you have any because i talked in a previous podcast before about getting a nutritionist yeah and i thought it'd just be a good idea for a while to see what the story was even though my nutrition was fairly decent already i said find out so stan put me onto damon me and damon started working so the last few days now and so i see so the aim is i want to be but 100 kilos, plus or minus yeah. a kilo or two. Plus or minus 10 kilos. Well, <laughs> because that's when I feel the most athletic. Yeah. But, um, athletic. I want to be strong as well, you know, and still yeah, have to train, yeah, yeah. like, without any reduction. But if I'm going to Japan to do some squats, Squat. I will be no less than 110 kilos. Like No, no, no. No less. You could go back to 112 kilo curve the fridge <laughs> that's where the fridge came from like when you were 112 kilos that was rough like csp super total i was only 112 for like a day though the glory days i know it was only it was only close to a day i was 112 yeah that's um it was it's hard like yeah when 
110 was like because you're five foot four as well it's just so difficult five nine actually <laughs> i um it's just it's it was hard to get to 112 i would struggle to get to 112 i've now. been north to 110 you've and been it's or been, you are? been don't look at me like that <laughs> um i yeah so hopefully if i'm going over and obviously the more you weigh the better your squat is going to be yeah that's probably one of the few lifts where just more weight will make you lift more weight yeah um so anyway on topic um this podcast is on the subject of your first competition so this podcast is brought to you by tangents or us <laughs> um so we'll do this for weightlifters for powerlifters and for crossfitters so a lot of the voice will be general yeah and we'll try to do some specific advice and if you're like a field athlete you can definitely implement all of these things on a match week so will we call it good competition or first competition how to be a good competitor i think first competition right so realistically no one listening to this on as a field athlete is going to be at their first competition but you're no because realistically you've probably played hundreds of games you probably started 20 years ago yeah if our average age is anything to go by yeah so first thing we'll we'll just go for a general for the three powerlifters weightlifters and crossfitters and then so the just the main thing you can do just specifically for weightlifters and powerlifters the main thing to never do on your first competition and i mean never ever you just never ever have a good reason to do this it's cut weight no so oh no my matter, god yeah they, like and literally everyone like i actually gonna blow my own horn here but i didn't think i needed to do it i wasn't like gonna cut weight the amount of people that we've the coached, amount of people that we've talked to that we've coached been like yeah yeah just cutting weight or just want to do this last one now as a 77 and then i'm gonna go up and oh, you're like you, oh, oh, oh you're at the olympics is it oh yeah yeah, oh, you're yeah. Gonna be at the olympics and you need to be more competitive oh your job relies on it is it Oh, no way. You're snatching 70 kilos. You know, oh, that's it. Calm yeah. down, buddy. Sorry. Oh, you my know, God. Do not cut weight. It's probably... Of all the questions people ask me, it's... Jeez, uh, it's probably the only one that actually irritates me when people ask yeah. me. Yeah. Because it's probably because I've heard it so much that it really, really annoys me. Because if you think... Like, you know when you eat that food, you're going to be weaker. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do coming into competition is try... The stress of... The psychological stress of cut, cutting weight. Yeah. Well, I think... The psychological stress of cutting weight poorly. Yeah, but even still, yeah, it still causes a toll. Yeah, even if you're doing it perfectly. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. still rough. The maladaption in your training for the weeks leading up yeah. to the prior, because a lot of times people will cut something stupid. Okay, look, if you're 86 kilos. Yeah, and you need to cut down. It's 84.9. Yeah, or whatever. What if, say, let's say you're 90 now and it's 89. Yeah. No. Okay, that's fine. But if you're like 96 kilos and you're like, I want to get 89 to be more competitive. Yeah. No. No. You can't do it. So. Nope. Because reducing calories will reduce your training, training load you can tolerate, reduce the amount of gains you'll make. Yeah. And if you're first competition, you're probably still making shitloads of gains anyway. Yeah, yeah. So when you go to that competition, you're worrying about making weight. Your training will not have been going as well as you wanted because you've been cutting weight, no matter what you say. Yeah. And you don't know how to train well enough if it's your first competition. No. And we're, like we'll do podcasts later on this year on like how to prep for a competition for peak performance yeah and there'll be some stuff about water weight how to uh manipulate water weight and stuff during the weeks leading up to it um we'll do all that stuff but for your first competition cutting weight is never ever a good idea i think this the second thing then is choosing the competition so 
it's no bad thing to have like something way off so like if you're being like oh in six months time there's the cork open is on or like whatever it is is on mm-hmm. but you probably want to pick competitions close to you like if you can do one in a month less than a month yeah and people like people always have this thing in their head of like i'm not going to go to a competition unless i'm snatching x yeah i'm clean and jerking y squatting y yeah and like the best thing with being a good competitor is doing loads of competitions Mm -hmm. like i could not recommend it strongly enough that you just need to get competitions under your belt you need to go to competitions do good weights but you're not going to be aiming for pvs in every single competition just go to your competition get the experience of prepping yourself get the experience of doing a bit of a taper for a few days get the experience of weighing in just get all that stuff out so then when the competitions become more important and you're lifting more weight and you're more competitive that that competition anxiety isn't there so definitely i'd say when you're picking your competition pick something local pick something fairly small probably in a gym that you're you're familiar with like even if it's like a crossfit gym having a lift off on a saturday treat it like your competition it might be in four weeks time and just go and get one under your belt uh, a lot of things, so something unexpected that throws people off a lot of the time is wearing a singlet. Or a yeah. Leotard, or um, what else do you call it? Not leotard. It's like a leotard. Singlet. Singlet, really. That's another word people use. A suit. Onesie. A onesie. So wearing that actually, so for, uh, especially weightlifters, a lot of times people feel weird and not to generalize a population, but a lot of times women feel very self-conscious when they yeah. wear the singlet because... They leave nobody. So unless you're a 77 kilo genetic elite male, yeah, or you're Pat Daly or someone, or Clarence Kennedy, Clarence Kennedy, you nobody looks fantastic in a singlet. No. <laughs> so unless you're in top nick, no one looks good in a singlet. No. And if you're in top nick, you're probably not in top nick for weightlifting unless you just yeah, have those yeah. genetics. So I would say practice in your singlet like maybe two or three weeks beforehand and wear it fully suited up yeah so even if you don't want to wear it which are so you can put a t-shirt on over or something but i would definitely do it 100 percent. or like start off wearing it underneath your training gear yeah wear it like a pair of undershorts and then like underneath your t-shirt wear it bed, wear it shower. <laughs> but like i personally love the feeling of a singlet wear it to work it does like it does give you like a feedback that you don't get from yeah from like just wearing shorts and a top. Nobody trains in singlets anymore in weightlifting. I've noticed except me. There's too much uh, <laughs> training gear out there to do it. Yeah, now. yeah. Too many people are sponsored as well and stuff. Yeah. It used to be the um. It used to be the done thing back in the day. Yeah, everybody's trained, and like if you look at the old training hall videos, they're all wearing these really old singlets that yeah. are like torn, worn away. See this. As nasty as it might sound, you can kind of justify to yourself re-wearing a singlet for a day or two more. for Because <laughs> you're like, oh, it's just training gear. It's meant so you mean wearing it for two and a half weeks instead of two weeks without washing it? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> you know, whereas like, you're not going to wear a t-shirt again no. unless you have to. Or you're not going to wear pants again if you have to. You know, you're going to wash them. Re-wearing in. a t-shirt after training is nasty. one of the nastiest things ever. Whereas the singlet people are kind of like, oh, I remember I lived in, in Kilmurray in first year when I was in uh, in Limerick so I was like 21 or 20 and uh, I had three singlets that I used to rotate in and out 
But I realised after a month that I hadn't actually washed any of the singlets. They used to just sit on the radiator. And I'd just take the driest one each day. So then the singlets literally just started like crackling and falling apart. Where did you get three singlets from? So when I did my first competition, I borrowed a singlet off a guy. So I borrowed this bright red one um, off Keith Graham from CrossFit Cork an absolute weapon of a human yeah. so I borrowed one from him and then I was like oh I really like it it was like this bog standard Adidas one but it's bright red so I was like oh, I'm going to order a black one ordered a black one and it didn't come for ages wait were you like I'm going to order a black one or you're like I'm going to order a black one because I look class no I'm going to I'm going to order a black one that's what that that's was. exactly what it was no, 100% and, uh, it wasn't so blasé as yeah, I'm just going to get a black one because I have a red what it. no way it was like I'm picturing myself in a black singlet yeah. so I ordered one that took ages to come and I emailed them and I was like oh look where'd you buy it uh, Nerlinger oh some site in Germany Manfred Nerlinger site it probably was actually it was the only place you could buy yeah. it I know it was so I emailed them and Trick question, this bro. This guy emailed me back being like, uh, look, I don't know what happened. Sometimes they don't get sent. So he ended up sending me two. Yeah. And uh, they both arrived within like a day of each other. So I emailed him. I was like, look, you've sent me two singlets. And he was like, oh, don't worry about it. Just keep it. So I was like, sound. The thing with Nerlinger is he doesn't want to talk to you. <laughs> English is clearly from Google Translate. Yeah. And also but he had a great supply of Adidas weightlifting gear. Weightlifting, he had such good supply. That's yeah. an Adidas for premium weightlifting gear. Yeah, now yeah, they're yeah. a fucking joke sneaker brand. He's <laughs> fucking disgusting what they've done to themselves. Um, fun fact about Nerlinger, if you don't know, so he competed in the '88 Olympics in to- Seoul or Tokyo. It was '88? I think it was Tokyo. Not sure. So anyway, he clean jerked the world record with um, missing a ring finger. No, sorry, sorry, sorry. He attempted to clean jerk world record. He cleaned like he tried to clean like two sixty or two sixty six. Uh, I think he got like a silver bronze. Um, he cleaned like clean. That's record. incredible. Yeah, he lost his ring finger. Maybe it was before or after that, but he was still clean jerking massive weights. Sans <sighs> finger. So, Sans finger. So I don't know. One loving yeah. I don't know how he lasted, but um. Do you ever see pictures of guys getting degloved? It's what they call it when they have a ring on and it gets caught in something, and it pulls all the skin and flesh off their finger and they just have a bone left farmers like yeah yeah I wonder if he was a farmer yeah it's very common with farmers Jesus it's a vicious old injury to get they don't do it anymore like people don't do it my grandfather only had four fingers on one side stop farmers don't wear the thing anymore yeah you can get those fake ones now they're all the rage for really working men oh, right the, the, the oh the silicon rings I thought you meant fake fingers I was like what the fuck the wedding band oh yeah yeah, yeah. google finger coming to a <laughs> Yeah, Google degloving. Um, it's fairly nasty. So anyway, first competition, getting back. Um, so we picked our competition. It's something nice and close. Probably, like, you probably don't need to buy a singlet. I know in Ireland, anyway, you can do three competitions not wearing a singlet. You can just wear, like, bicycle shorts. But realistically, if you're weightlifting, you probably know somebody who has a singlet. Just borrow one from them. Um, then in terms of your goal setting coming up to that competition how would you go about setting those goals girl I would say your main goal is to go 6 out of 6 yeah or 9 out of 9 or say for CrossFit just to not absolutely gas out yeah not come last at any workout or even just not just be totally gassed and fucked you know, yeah, like just, yeah. Not, just for like for weightlifters it should definitely be 
six out of six lifts or at least the bare minimum four to five out of six yeah so maybe miss one clean jerk but you should be missing no snatches and those snatches depending on how long you've been lifting and how confident you are so like we just did a Q&A video there a minute ago and someone asked us what we think you should open at for your first competition in the snatch and our answer is something that you just will never ever yeah. ever miss yeah so like if your max is like 100 kilos we were saying maybe go as conservative as you possibly can yeah let's go like 80 kilos or maybe it's less. literally something you're not gonna miss in the month of sundays yeah don't it's like you can make it at any time of the day at any level of arousal like joe i remember like when i was earlier in my career i was not very uh consistent with weights like i could just kind of anything could kind of happen that's you know like i just had no awareness of how to lift weights in some like 80 kilos could have been 150 some days you know and other days do you know that kind of yeah way? yeah yeah like and, and you don't have that awareness until you've been lifting for a long time no unless you're supremely talented or have a very good coach um but i would say yeah so definitely be conservative and i think when you're planning out so say if, if the competition is in four weeks or six weeks or two months when you're planning it out don't put this competition at the end this competition isn't the end goal mm-hmm. this competition is like a little step it's only the beginning yeah it's like the step to get onto the ladder you know it's not even you're not going to consider this as like your career of competitions you know if you if you're starting off training this first competition is literally like a little taster I think um, in part of thing you can probably be a bit more aggressive because there's way less variation yeah. in the lifts. So, and if you're doing a part of the competition, it, most of the time people have coaches in part of thing. It seems that way. Yeah. People don't seem to do part of thing by themselves. I know it does happen, of course. And there's definitely people listening, but like I do all my competitions myself. Yeah. But in general, so like you can feasibly. In six months of uh, powerlifting, you can become incredibly proficient at the lifts. Yeah. Whereas in... Technically incredibly technically proficient. For, for sure. Yeah. Um, but in six months of weightlifting, or you could, even in six years of weightlifting, you might not be proficient at the no. lifts. So in powerlifting, you can... If you have a good coach, you can build into it and attempt maxes and hit them very easily if you're... Yeah. Very, and as if it's your first competition, chances are you're a beginner or intermediate. So you'll still be progressing and if anything you probably should be hitting PBs at your first competition as a powerlifter I think the thing is like in powerlifting and in CrossFit to a certain extent as well there's not that kind of ability to make mistakes very very easily like you can't just go out and and miss a deadlift because you thought about the wrong thing just before you stepped up there or you can't it suddenly feels way heavier than this yeah and like there's there literally there is a hundred thousand reasons you can miss a snatch there's probably four reasons you can miss a squat joe it's not like you do have the ability to go slightly higher and something's after flying into the room and it's scaring girth uh so you do have the ability to get closer to maximal weights just because as girth was saying the level of variation or more so the level of consistency is very different from the Focus snatch. <laughs> yeah, but like in the deadlifts, 
you can just just fucking get through it, you know. Yeah. Even though hitching's not allowed in competitions, right? No. Um, it's bullshit. <laughs> well, that's bullshit. Wish me, wish we'll let you know. I think when we do our powerlifting competition. Yeah, which will be soon. He's enough. coming back. On on a similar kind of Gurf mentioned this earlier, right? About the coaches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People love doing weightlifting on their own. They love powerlifting on their own. They love crossfitting on their own. Having a coach with you at a competition, especially for weightlifting and powerlifting, but for CrossFit as well, gives you a level of comfort and a level of confidence that you just don't have otherwise. Like if you have just a coach who you really believe in, you just yeah. have supreme confidence, you might have, you have massive respect from him. He or she may or may not be a great lifter. Or, or they. Or they. Or even better again, may have been a former great lifter. Yeah. So you have years of their pedigree behind them. Yeah. So you can kind of see that. So if you've listened to, and you probably have, our Nat Aaron podcast, and the second part of that, he talks about the success Pierce Dimas has brought in the back room to USAW and just general gluing together of the team because yeah. he is such a like a prestige about him like he's a, yeah. just a paragon of weightlifting and he has you're talking about probably the three most noteworthy weight or top three most noteworthy weightlifter of all time so in terms of fucking achievements he is <laughs> he's, he's the cat's pajamas so in terms of um, in, in terms of competition there is nobody Nobody is as, as um, he's the number one in terms of competition. Yeah. I think and I think most people would agree with that. Three Olympic golds and one bronze, and he attempted to win the gold, and he was not that far off it. Yeah, he was thirty-two. So, like Ilya has won loads of competitions and never lost them, but he Ilya would have won four Olympics, I think, if things had been left the way they were. Yeah, but Dimas has just an absolute. He seems very charismatic as well. Yeah, on top of his pedigree, so he's. They believe in him so much, you know. They're yeah. They're so interested in it. like they're like, and having somebody like that with you in the warm up room yeah. or in the car park or driving to the competition is unbelievably good, right? Because they know exactly whether you want to talk. So if I'm driving with somebody to a competition or I'm talking with somebody before they go and warm up, you know full well if they want to talk about the snatch. Or if they want to talk about what was on Love Island last night. Most time people don't. No, but like... Because they'll bring this this just confidence to the competition. Because yeah. it's like when you go to work and you've been working there for 10 years, you know exactly where everything is and you know what to do. Yeah. So when someone like, say, Dimas, an extreme example, but let's say you've another, you've, your coach, he knows everyone in the warm room, everyone's talking to that's, him. And that's such a huge thing. Because you're like, oh, my coach knows what to do. I remember is. going to competitions with party and party like walking in and literally there being 10 people chatting to party and I'm just like there I'm like Jesus nothing can go wrong yeah like you've such whereas if your coach looks as anxious and out of place as you yeah. do it's if, just going to if your coach doesn't know where the warm up room is yeah. it's probably not a good sign like if um, if he's not confident subconsciously or consciously yeah. you're not going to be as confident no whereas if he's just very relaxed you know like he's doing everything automatic because he knows it is he knows yeah. attempts. you never feel like anything's out of control Having a great coach will make such a big difference. Huge difference. I'd say in powerlifting as well, it's actually very, very important because the day is so long Yeah, that you need that kind of support over the whole day. Yeah, and it's like, 
you ramp up the intensity then back down ramp up intensity back down Mm -hmm. ramp up and it's like it's now eight hours later and you're ramping up for the third time like how many jellies and chocolate are you eating there yeah and like you're probably after getting one one not great tubaware meal into you yeah joe it's like you're onto your fourth energy drink yeah like having a coach and or just even having somebody there to be like oh what's the crack you look i kind of look forward to the powerlifting competition now yeah I can't wait. Shitty Tobyware food. <laughs> um, Smelling salts coming out of her eyes. <laughs> I'd love be using those. Um, the only thing is the benching like, is something I can't afford to do. Benching? I'm just going to have to wing it. Just wing it. You'll do like 140 or something. Just be like... Nah! Just fucking... Yeah, you'll get like 18th place in the bench and then you'll win overall. <laughs> uh, well, the squad will be good in the deadlifts. Um... I would like to try mace grip in the deadlifts, but I don't think it's a good idea. Just in terms of scary biceps tears. Mace grip feels clat. I know it does. I yeah. mean, I was doing it there the other day when I lift the bar onto blocks or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's... Oh, uh, but scary bicep tears are real. Scary bicep tears are scary. <laughs> and I'm sure my biceps have extreme mobility now from snatching. Yeah, but, Jesus, but still... You don't want to be putting 280, 300 kilos on your biceps. No. I might do sumo to annoy people. Oh my god! I don't know myself doing sumo. <laughs> my like my best deadlifts with hook grip is two eighty. Yeah, this three years ago now. But I did I did sumo for a week, and I'm not joking you. I did sumo genuinely for a week. I did two seventy when we were in Romania. Yeah. And I, no, two forty. Two forty. And I was like, I bet I can do way more than that. So <laughs> then a week later, I did two seventy for three. I could have done eight eight reps with it. Yeah. And then I was like, this is hundred percent cheating. <laughs> it is cheating yeah but I'm going to do it in the competition um, although I love okay. have so you seen the anim- have you seen the animal kid deadlifting that Australian yeah. fella his deadlift is, is a clean grip you know yeah and his toes are straightforward and yeah. it's in his clean sense oh it looks great it does look great because he's strong he's a weapon <laughs> he's of a, a human um, but yeah so we were saying okay so good coach good coach good openers good openers don't cut weight good competition don't cut weight good body weight yeah actually that's very important as well is so in weightlifting you're kind of restricted in what competitions you do yeah. and who's running them so you just got to put it up but most in, of the time weightlifting is such an old sport yeah that everything's I'm going to say CrossFit is probably the biggest culprit of this powerlifting could be pretty shit too I'd say yeah. if you're in America there or something yeah in, in Ireland it's fairly good now I would say if you're a powerlifter and you're not on the juice I would probably IPF, just go IPF anywhere in the world probably IPF yeah. is probably the best um, because they have everything heavily standardised yeah. and they're doing great things with sport but in terms of CrossFit right so when you're looking at a competition you probably don't if it's your first comp or your second comp you probably don't want to go to one of the big kind of national level competitions so I know like the Filthy 150 in Ireland or a load of those bigger throwdowns they'll all have kind of scaled or intermediate levels that you could probably qualify and get into probably 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 but, if you imp- but don't like the last thing you want to do is yeah. to show up at an airport hangar yeah. where there's 500 other athletes 2,000 people there watching and you don't know what anything is you're trying to go to athletes briefings without knowing where they're on Joe like save that for a few competitions down the road go to the gym that's an hour away that are having a throwdown on a Sunday afternoon or your gym if or you your own gym yeah. Joe like Get involved with those local level things. Don't be like, no, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to bother going to that now because I'm not fit enough. I'm going to wait till I'm fit and do the filthy, Joe. I think something as well for CrossFitters is don't fall into the trap 
of doing team competitions just yeah. to get used to it because so many people in the last few years have start doing team competitions and then they never ever learn and never work up the yeah the ability the balls you might say yeah to do an individual competition because the longer you let it go and the better you get across with the more pressure you'll put it yourself you might not get better but you could be getting better yeah and the more pressure you'll put on yourself to go when you do that individual if competition you're doing the right programs you'll get better girls. so for the first for the first competition i would say definitely for crossfit is do an rx not rx sorry an individual competition yes so don't do pairs or a team because it's so easy to fall into the trap of just because people don't really realize it unless they've done something like field sports team field sports and weightlifting the difference even though you're doing the same sport in crossfit yeah doing two different you're basically it's basically a different sport if you're in a team yeah and if you're it's doing individual it's totally he's back again the fucking butterfly it's a gigantic butterfly it's, it's the spy. size of my palm spy for someone um it's a drone <laughs> um so but yeah so like a, t- a team competition right will bring it brings more pressure yeah in the way that there's people on your team who are relying on you and you can't just say oh i'm all out like joe I, i'm done but, I, you, you, but then it also lets you do the exact same thing that thing yeah but then it also allows you to be like ah sure sure look this grand aren't we here for a bit of crack you know so it is i think it does add a bit of pressure and it's not ideal well sorry if if you are there for a bit of crack then doing team conditions is totally fine yeah because it's great for a load of people let's say you're 40 plus and you have three kids and you don't care about trying to make dil- fucking crossfit games yeah you know, it's not a vague aspiration of yours then i would definitely do team competitions because it's great for your training it'll make it, you more committed. it is it'll any be, competition yeah. is going to be great for your training make you more committed because you'll feel commitment to the members yeah and you'll feel commitment to competition but if you have aspirations to be a national or continental or international crossfitter do your rx competitions and don't yeah. do them the even if you want to be the best crossfitter in your box yeah go do some individual comps also put up or shut up too i suppose do the individual you know yeah yeah just yeah. do it and then like, be accountable yeah be accountable too for yourself and other people too you know yeah and then if you win you can talk astronomical amount of shit <laughs> generally people who win don't do that but you can so i would for your first competition yeah i want to do crossfit is it what are you gonna do the week leading up to it in which sport now so i'm gonna do the one for weightlifting right you're going to do the one for powerlifting and then I'm going to do the one for CrossFit. So for weightlifting, leading up to for your first competition, you probably don't need a taper. Um, You definitely don't need like a week-long taper. So first comp. Uh, You could. You could give it a week. Most comps for years. What I'd say is you do normal training up until the week before. Yeah. Then you've probably hit something relatively heavy on like the Sunday. Like that week isn't even a taper, right? No, it's not a taper. It's just it's just resting for the competition. Yeah, so you're you're basically stripping your volume down. Yeah. Your volume is probably fairly low at this stage anyway. You might go if you're training four or five times a week, you might only train four or three times that week. You're probably gonna hit openers if the competition is on a Saturday. You're probably gonna hit openers on a Wednesday, come in and train again really light on the Thursday and then take Friday off. So there are like a, a select number of cases and then definitely once you get a bit more experienced where we'll remain training every day up until the competition. But if it's your first competition, I definitely say hit openers. And what we're calling openers now are somewhere between 80 and 90%. A heavy single that you know you're going to make 
every single day of the week. You're just going to hit that two days beforehand or maybe three days beforehand. Do some very light training two days out, no training the day before, and then go to the competition nice and fresh. I think for powerlifting, you're going to have to train into it. Or not train into it. You're going to have to taper a bit to it because you it's not really feasible. Well, it is for your first competition, I suppose. But if you want to have a great first competition and you want to get kind of hooked in it and you want you want kind of experience to be the best experience you can be, I would say... So in terms of phases, right, in powerlifting, as you get better, your each phase will become longer and slower. Yeah. Whereas in the beginning, you might have two weeks like of accumulation phase and then two weeks of like kind of moderate volume and then like two weeks of a peaking or something like that. Yeah. Plus or minus two or three weeks in each of those. Depends. So what I would say if you're a beginner, don't do it a week after you've done three by tens. No. So do it two or three weeks after that. That's probably as, as scientific as you need to get with your training. You, you know, need to have just be, gone from high reps yeah. through medium reps and Even be getting somewhere around. You could stop the medium reps and go for yeah. it. Like, if you yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like on the Saturday, you could do, let's say you're trying to, you squatting with 50 and you did 3 by 5 120. Then you can just, like for that week, you just need to not do anything stupid. Yeah. Just do a little bit of squatting someday, a little bit of benching some other day bit of deadlifting some other day or something very very light stuff yeah like just moderate do something for one or two easy reps and then just eat plenty of food yeah get lots of sleep and then you'll have talked it over with your coach what to do what numbers you're going to open with he'll know if you have a coach if you don't have a coach like we're saying be very very conservative on all of your openers and your squat bench and your deadlifts yeah on your squat like you could be doing something let's say you are squatting with 50 like you could you could open with something like one thirty, go one forty five or something like that. Yeah. Then if you feel class, go one fifty five or maybe one sixty, you know. Yeah. You'll be able to judge it and if you if you don't have a coach, you'll have a good idea yourself and it'll be a good learning experience too for you if you do Yeah. If you make the one sixty Yeah, it actually it's probably better if you miss that one sixty because then you're <laughs> like, right, don't be a fucking dumbass the next yeah. time. So part of thing it's not very complicated. Just I think it's a step above weight if, or a step below weight if in terms of complicated for yeah I think for powerlifting you're probably going to want to take two days with no training beforehand at least one day for sure yeah at least one day um, and then for CrossFit so CrossFit has a huge energy expenditure component to it yeah and in terms of tapering I've yet to see any people I've yet to see a tapering strategy that I'm impressed with yeah I've never ever because seen it. it like oh, so it's either right uh, I just train like normal every day up until it and then like the day before I stopped training like there's an interview with Froning before he won in 2011 but even the top and he was like no I'm just going to keep training exact same as always and then uh, I'm not going to be able to train the day before and then I'm just going to go in whereas like the man has a degree in sport and exercise science how does he not like how does not not cross over in terms of CrossFit you're going to want to if the workouts have been released, you're going to want to touch some of those skills. So say if it's um, like first competition, so say it's like uh, ring rows or pull-ups or something, something gymnastic-y, there might be a kettlebell snatch in there. So definitely do workouts with those kind of movements in it or even just focus pieces with those movements, but they have to be toned back. 
and I know as well people if, if a workout is released say on a Wednesday before the competition people will go and do that exact workout that is not your best strategy your best strategy more than likely is say if it's five rounds for time you're probably going to be better off doing two rounds at race what we call race pace so like the intensity level you're going to be doing weights similar to what you'll be doing uh, difficulty level similar to what you'll be doing at the pace you expect to do the workout at just do maybe two rounds so less than 50% of the workout ideally around 30% of the workout so you get a feeling for exactly what pace you want to be hitting the whole way through um, and then you can plan it around that a lot of times you'll see is say for first competition beginner skilled intermediate crossfit workouts they'll have released them for competitions yeah. the week before or something which is just good grace and it lets people practice yeah. them so like Dara was saying you practice them at your beginner speed or your race speed or whatever speed you're going at and then don't go to the competition and then go as fast as you no. can don't shit the bed like so con- like do that have pace. a plan like you've th- there's a reason you thought that that pace would work and you're able yeah. to that pace so remember that when you're doing the competition is to do that pace and don't go fucking ape shit and just just go as hard as you can immediately out of the gate yeah I think another nice rule of thumb for CrossFit is you're not going to build any so it's the same as weightlifting same as uh, powerlifting you're not going to build any strength or fitness in that week but by God, can you fuck it up in that week? Yeah, definitely. You know, like the hay is all in the barn. You're not going to bring any more hay in. But by all means, if you do something stupid in training, you can make some of that hay disappear. So keep your training volume low. Make sure you go back to some of those skills that you might be coming to in the competition. But you don't want to go to that competition feeling fatigued, uh, having torn up hands, having sore knees like anything like that and like the hands thing is not really that applicable to to weightlifting or powerlifting but the hands thing is huge for crossfit you cannot be tearing your hands the week of a competition that's a huge oversight on behalf of your coach and on behalf of you you need to be looking after your hands so we've touched on openers uh, coaching Competitions, nutrition and weight loss. Nutrition and weight loss. Anything else important for your first competition? Uh, I suppose just your general plan. Try and have it mentally set out in your head what's going to happen on the day, how things are going to go, what you expect of yourself, what you'd love to happen, and what's the worst thing that could happen. So, like, if I know it's one of our athletes first competitions and they're competing in Dublin on Saturday and they want to hit X and Y in the snatch and clean and jerk then we know we're going to be driving up early in the morning so make sure the breakfast is like set up they know what they're going to be eating know how long they're going to be at the competition venue for so especially for CrossFit competitions and powerlifting we can be at these competitions all day long so it shouldn't be a thing that like after two of the workouts or after the squats they then have to run to a garage and get some food or run to a restaurant and try and eat they should know if they are going out somewhere where they're going like nothing can't be Google now there's no reason you can't just go on Google Maps and be like where can I eat close to the gym after I weigh in so have that all set up like 20 minutes of prep will sort all of this for nutrition is this is very important (laughs) 
so a lot of times people feel like they'll have let's you know they'll eat every morning they eat like four eggs and yeah oh my god i know what you're gonna two say toasts, two slices of toast or something right every morning for the last six years that's what they've been eating right and that's my breakfast it's perfect for them and they love it right and then they get to the competition and this goes for everyone now powerlifters weightlifters crossfitters rugby players and then they're like right I better eat a load of jellies to get carbohydrates <laughs> you know like the first thing they eat that morning is a kilo of jellies and yeah. like, or they'll just eat nothing and they'll rush it and then not eat something oh god just eat the exact same thing you eat all the time yeah competition day should be the same as every other day it's you're, the most important day to eat the same thing and like the timing of the meals might be forced right yeah because you're probably not going to be able to eat before you weigh in or whatever it is so the timing might be thrown off but the last thing you want to do is as Griff's saying to change it up I think one nice little tippet that will help you in competition is probably the only performance enhancing drug that's been taken off the band list in the last 20 years is caffeine. Take off all of them. <laughs> so in terms of caffeine, caffeine is definitely a performance enhancer. Um, it tends to just like it's everywhere now. Everybody's constantly drinking coffee. Everybody is caffeinated all of the time. So we don't tend to see it as... Yeah. We don't tend to see it as this um, like massive ergogenic aid, but for strength sports, it is hugely beneficial. And the thing is, we want we want a very low caffeine tolerance, so we want to be very sensitive to caffeine. So most of us who are having maybe two, three, four cups of coffee a day, our caffeine tolerance is way down. So we're used to having caffeine throughout the day. We don't get this big physiological response from caffeine. So what you want to do ideally five days beforehand stop drinking all caffeine so that's tea coffee energy drinks even soft drinks most of them will have or a lot of them will have caffeine in them so take all of those out of your diet don't fuck with anything like that then the morning of the competition around 40 minutes before you start warming up or around 20 minutes before your warm-up starts depending on how long that will take you can start caffeinating with like something that's super easy to drink maybe like a, a sugar-free monster sugar-free red bull uh normal black coffee you probably don't want to be loading up with like a really creamy coffee or um an energy drink that's packed with sugar because it's probably just going to give you a like an insulin response that's not too favorable but it will give you a massive aid in your strength isn't that right Garf? it sure is <laughs> so people hate doing it and like a lot of the people I've brought to competitions are cursing me and sending me text messages at like half six in the morning being like you prick just let me have coffee and you're like just wait and you literally see they'll have half a can of monster on the morning of the competition and they'll like literally start shaking you know, their caffeine sensitivity has come back and if you have to do your openers there on Wednesday or something, yeah, and you miss your openers because you didn't have your coffee, you need to say, good fucking yeah. look at yourself. You need, yeah, you need to go into the corner, right? Take a knee. We, we have this thing where you talk to yourself. Training. So you, you get your index finger. Right hand, preferably. Right hand. So it's just your index finger, like, pointing. Yeah. And you turn that around at your face. And you... And you're going to have a serious chat with yourself. You give yourself a bollocking. So you can't, like, and... and this goes for caffeine, but it also goes for little ritualistic things like uh, oh, socks. Yeah, I have to have these socks or, oh, no, I don't have my wrist straps today. Like 
these are tiny things. Can I tell you? And if you're if you're trying to be a good competitor, yeah, you can't let shit like that get in the way. Can I tell you um, something that is this the thing about the straps in your shoes? It was, yeah. Oh my did god! Did I talk about this before? Or did I tell Not you? on the podcast. Okay, so this makes me sick. This, um, well, it held true. It was like the forecast. It was accurate every time. <laughs> That's because you and it, you it, it made only it come true. It only happened on uh, the week of the. Give people some background first. So when uh, so if anyone has weightlifting shoes, you'll know. So you have you'll everybody have your, listening to this has weightlifting shoes. They might not. So you'll have your straps in your shoe, the Velcro strap, right? And you'll have an eyelet at the other side of where the strap is tied on. And a lot of time it goes in over that and loops back over itself. And most of the time they never come out of that second eyelet. But um, I was very superstitious. If it came out of that eyelet the week of the competition, I was going to have a bad competition. Oh my god! I was right. You make me sick. <laughs> So that's like as a as sports psychology practitioners, uh, they'd often work People with athletes. athletes. What? What? They'd often work with athletes on things like pre-performance routines, yeah, um, and mindset going into a competition. And a lot of the time, you'd be doing uh, what they might call planned disruptions. So Michael Phelps, who's the most successful swimmer of all times, um had really big issues with concentration before competition. Really? Yeah, so he had ADHD and that's actually why he was brought into swimming originally was to try and get rid of some of that energy. But when going to a competition... Try to drown him. He'd <laughs> no, they used to put him... Did you ever hear that story? No. They used to put him in a swimming pool before school for like three hours and that was the only way they could get him to sit down in the chair because um, he'd be like so drained from training. So he smoked marijuana. <laughs> But uh, so they do something called a planned disruption, right? And this isn't something you do going to your first competition, but it is fairly interesting. So before the Olympics, I think it was in 2012, or might have been Beijing, um, his coaches took his goggles and hid his goggles on the day of the the race. So what happened was he was what? he'd get what? so Why? so this is this is it. Yeah. Um, it was a planned disruption. So he day of his race, not yeah, the, not yeah, the yeah. Olympics. No, the day of the day of the race in the Olympics. The day of the race in the Olympics. Yeah. So, because of his mental space and his the condition he has, he'd get hyper focused on the race, and he'd start really, really reanalyzing. And there's a, a theory called reinvestment theory where you start overthinking everything. And you start going back to so there's three stages of learning. There's like declarative, associative, and autonomic. So obviously he's an elite performer. He'd be in the autonomic stage of learning. And that's where he should be for competition. But when he'd get stressed and he'd be overthinking things, he'd go back to declarative and then back, like way, way back into like thinking about each stroke and thinking about what his hand would feel like in the water and thinking about each breath, whereas it should be he should just get in the pool and swim. Um, So what a planned disruption in that case would do is his goggles were missing. He now had to concentrate on one thing, which was finding his fucking goggles. And now he's not thinking about anything else. And they used to do this before. They, I think they did it like maybe five times over the course of his career. um, Just to try and get him over that. Surely he got on after a while. It do, yeah, the thing with a planned disruption though is it doesn't matter. Because um, you still have to go and find your goggles. But did he know? Yeah, he knew. But did he not know? That I, think, they... I don't think he knew at the Olympics. Um, But he definitely knew that they used to fuck with him just to try and get him to stop overthinking. 
definitely don't hide your weightlifters. If you're a coach, don't hide their shoes before their first competition. Um, but you can definitely have some paralysis through analysis. If you're really overthinking about things and trying to get back constantly, it won't affect you for your first competition. But nerves are going to be a thing for your first competition. Alrighty then. <laughs> How used you deal with nerves, Gareth? Um, I never really got nervous, to be honest. Yeah. I didn't really get... Um, I got excited, you know. Yeah. But I... Weightlifting competitions just do nothing for me. I... I get nervous when I'm coaching people. Yeah, I get more nervous for coaching people yeah. than I would have for myself. Um, Jesus, I remember... Actually, once I learned how to compete, it was just no problem. Yeah. I think that's it. And you can just bring that from one thing to another thing to another thing. Yeah. Um, Jesus, I remember one of the Cork Opens being like, oh, do I have a third attempt? Oh, fuck it. Uh, I don't know. I'll go like, well, 30. And I just didn't. I was just so not fucking bothered. Do you think you'll get bothered by the powerlifting competition? Nah. You don't think so? I don't know. I hope I do. Powerlifting competitions bother me, though, because I've gone to a good few of them now at this stage. Have and you? they're so loud, yeah. Very loud. So loud. Oh, no. There's music on all day long. All day? Yeah, and I hate loud. Do you keep the music on when you There's left? two things I really hate, right? Yeah. And it's people in the same place as me. Yeah. And it's really loud music. So I hate going clubbing and I hate powerlifting competitions. <laughs> If there's more people in the room, then like, so say, Anessa, uh, Anessa. I'm trying to think of a nice rule of thumb, but it's like, if there's more than a ton of people, so more than a thousand kilos worth of people in a room, I'm just like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> I just don't like being around people. Yeah. Unless it's a seminar. I love doing seminars. Seminars are great. That's because it's a gym and they usually have big roller doors, so I feel like I'm outside. You can run. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's it if you do, if you are coming up to your first competition guys and you have any questions as always at seekastrength on Instagram shoot us a message or seekastrength at gmail.com shoot us an email seekastrength on Facebook seekastrength on LinkedIn where yeah. we post articles seekastrength on YouTube or YouTubes. if you really like listening to the podcast and you would like to hear more podcasts and more researched podcasts and podcasts that have a bit more meticulous work done for them rather than flying by the seat of our pants as we always do uh, maybe you could consider supporting us on Patreon yeah so the Patreon at the moment the Patreon is paying for us to have batteries which is great yeah we got batteries Um. so it's just Seek a Strength podcast on Patreon if you just literally Google uh, Daryl put it into the description of this yeah. But if you just Google Seek a Strength Patreon, you'll find us. And then we have one tier at the moment. It's Stags or those, and it's $2 per month. Yeah. So some people have chosen, and we're very grateful, give more than that. Some people have chosen to give much more than that. But it's just $2 minimum. Um, we're going to have our first Patreon raffle in September. Yep, for a free program. Yeah. And, yep, I think it's... In other news, yeah. t-shirts were shipped. Yeah. And anything else exciting happening? Um, exciting. That was a very relative term. We put up our first YouTube video. Short time. It's in no way informative. It's literally just a trailer. A trailer, but uh, yeah, the YouTube should give you a, a good view of like what, what seeker strength <laughs> work days are like. Uh, thanks, guys. Thank you very much.